Welcome back, Cold Stove Podcast. I am coming to you live from Austin, Texas. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful sunny day. NRD coming at you live from the Rumor Cave. How are you doing, bud? Doing good, man. Holding it down here. Happy to be back on the Cold Stove Pod, man. I look forward to this every week. Listen to a little Phil Collins in the air tonight before each show. Get pumped up, ready to uh, rip some NHL. He news actually with. hosts uh, Phil Collins every Wednesday in his in the in the, the Rumor Cave. It's a live concert that NRD. He's got connections that uh, you may be surprised to find out about. NRD, excited to be here as well. A lot of stuff going on around this league that we enjoy. A lot of stuff going on across the pond in Beijing, hockey-related, coming out of the All-Star break. Um, I, I, don't, I don't even know where to begin, but I will say this. If you're new to the Cold Stove Podcast, please hop on to iTunes or Spotify. Give us a rate a review, or a rating or a review. Tell a friend about the podcast, maybe. Uh, but I do want to shout out at the top of this podcast, NRD, our friends over at the Baltimore Banners Ice Hockey Program. They are just making the game more accessible in cities that maybe don't have the best infrastructure for it currently. So the Baltimore Banners, shout out their game uh, against the Baltimore Sentinels on February 20th. And they're doing a little fundraiser situation. Bridging the Gap Memorial Game, February 20th. Shouts to the Baltimore Banners. Follow them on Twitter at Be More Banners. How's that for off the top? Like that. Maybe some Sorry. reviews, too. How's that sound? We haven't done those in a minute. Sounds good with me. I love the reviews, man. Bring give us in. a rating. Give us a review. Here we go. This is from Nick Technos. Big game. These boys know their stuff. It's clear to see. I listen to every episode to stay up to date. With everything going along, spelling and context, around the league. Boom. Pretty simple off the top, okay? I do have a constructive criticism, NRD. You ready for this? Awesome for pod. It. Love listening. Only recommendation would be to maybe talk about a few more teams. I feel like every episode is primarily centered on East Coast teams, specifically Northeast. Would be nice to hear a little bit more. Uh, about some other teams. I say this as a Rangers fan, by the way. Other than that, keep up the awesome work. So some constructive criticism. We got four stars for that one. I like, I'm open. Listen, I have no problem with constructive criticism. If it comes from a good place, we're going to get better. We're going to improve. That's what the Cold Stove Pod's all about. That's how we're going to keep up with the some of the other podcasts, namely 33 Thoughts. Yes, and I, I agree with that uh, sentiment as well. We need more uh, Western... Southern, perhaps, representation on the Cold Stove Pod. Maybe throw the Minnesota Wild around every now and then. Perhaps the Carolina Hurricanes. Maybe the Dallas Stars or the Austin Coyotes. You never know which way we're going. Uh, Good news is we're going to have some stuff on the Wild later today. So uh, Then this one. This one, uh, if you're new to washed media, NRD, new to washed media. If you're an NRD disciple or a member of the NRD Bomb Squad, I want you to listen closely to this one. This is going to be a plug for the network that I currently work for. This is from uh, Mitch in Detroit. As someone who cannot get enough hockey news, I've been listening to Cold Stove since it came out. Really informative pod that is most definitely in my podcast lineup. I had not been familiar with washed media prior to listening to Cold Stove, but after listening in and subs- subsequently following Schmerman, that's me, on Twitter, I learned that there's quite the arsenal of washed media podcasts. So I listened to a few epis of circling back, those are episodes, of circling back over the holidays, and I got hooked. I'm now a backer and a Patreon subscriber. That Dave Ruff is one funny bastard. Anyway, if you're a big-time hockey fan, this is a must-listen, five stars, much love from Michigan. So if you are a guy in their mid-20s, mid-30s, or a girl in their mid-20s, mid-30s, even 40s, I think you would like what we have to offer, circling back, more comedic, mail-in, more Q&A, uh, something for everybody over there at Wash Media. So, NRD, I've held the floor far too long. Where would you like to begin on the Cold Stove Podcast today? Drive the bus, man. Let us know where we're Well, starting. let's start last I night. I got the what, info. You got the well, facts. Absolutely. I'm, I'm hot. If you, let me, if you let me keep running, let's start last night. Multiple instances of questionable player discipline. Brad Marchand uh, punched a guy in the head, and Nick Foligno needed a guy in the head, both of which are pending uh, additional, call it recon from the NFL, additional looks 
if you will, maybe go to the instant the NHL. maybe go to the instant replay in Toronto. NRD, did you see this coming from Nick Felino or Brad Marchand? The Marshawn thing, which is interesting, is that was brewing. There was a maybe twenty minutes prior to that during a TV timeout, Tristan Jari tried to flip a puck to a Pittsburgh Penguins fan sitting in the front row behind the net, and Marshawn skated by and basically whacked the puck off of his stick, you know, while they were shoveling the ice. And then there was some confrontation between the two while the TV timeout was going on. So that was brewing, and then to see that kind of come full circle at the end of the game shouts to jack edwards completely partial in this situation <laughs> you don't totally say. called it like it is kept it fair um great voice hockey hall of fame announcer for ness in there in massachusetts but no jari did take a swipe at, at one of the bruins forwards coming across the net it was very billy smith like that jack Ed- edwards mentioned but then marshawn takes a punch at a goaltender's head and it's just it's it's what we would expect from a guy like Brad Marchand. However, that being said, I do like Brad. I think he plays the game so tough, and he's the type of guy I'd want to build my team around. I know it's really cliche, but but you just can't do that. And I think that he should face upwards of three, four, five games that he's going to potentially be in play for now that he's meeting in person with the you know Department of Player Safety. Just can't have that. It, it's not good. And as for the Felino thing, I didn't see it happen. I saw it after the fact on Twitter. And... That's almost as egregious, if not more egregious. You're in a fight. Guy doesn't have his helmet on. You knee him when he's down. That's shin pad on skull, temporal, yeah. you know, to the side of the head, to the skull. Can't have that. So the more egregious action, if we're picking, is Felino. They'll both deserve supplemental discipline for their You actions. know, and this just, both were were sucker moves. Like, it's one thing, I don't think if goalies are, are in a scrum, actively participating, they shouldn't be untouchable just because they're a goalie. If if a goalie skates into the corner and wants to mix it up, he's he's like everybody else. My issue with both of these is is the sucker variety, where they're either defenseless or not looking. It's like Felino's in a fight with a guy. Obviously, hands and punches and and rough and tumble hockey here, but he's down, not looking, and you knee him in the skull. Yeah, it's, that's bullshit. And I understand that there are incidents brewing ahead of this. I mean, you mentioned Marshan knocking the puck off his stick. You saw the, the Sidney Crosby not being able to get to the bench to, to get a new stick. And Sidney Crosby getting tangled up with Patrice Bergeron going into the boards weird. Like, all of a sudden it got chippy last night, especially in a back-and-forth game where, I don't know, Boston shit the bed. So this is, sorry, that's that's some just taking it out on Boston fans there. But shouts to the Penguins. Uh, money line. Anyway, it's just there's no room. Like I am all for keeping scraps in the league and keeping after the whistle chirping and and pushing and shoving. And if guys need to drop the mitts once or twice a game, I, I certainly invite keeping that in the league as it's part of the DNA. But the bullshit stuff, the slew foots, the punches to the sides of goalie's head. Uh, speaking of goalies, the Aaron Dell bullshit. That he pulled on Batherson, yeah. Put put. I, I tweeted this last night. Put Aaron Dell and uh, and Brad Marchand in locker boxing. Just let them go at it. One guy for the goalies and one guy for the, the players. But that, there's no room for that shit. I I just cannot stand cheap shots. And I know in the '80s and '90s, it's it's cheap shots. It's this. It's that. But it, like. It's, you can't go at guys for cheap shots like you used to be able to and just slug them in the middle of the ice or or dance with your your tough guys it it's a a new day and age but but the fact that people are allowed to get away with this shit and hopefully they won't be discipline wise is is crazy i agree listen i'm not going to sit here and say it's the most egregious thing i've ever seen take place on ice before you know i witnessed chris simon two hand ryan holwig right in the face with a hockey stick so it's not the worst of the worst, but at the same time, I agree to your point. You just can't be taking cheap shots like that, especially at players that are defenseless and don't see it coming. It's one thing if you catch a guy clean on the jaw in a fight and you knock him mm-hmm. out cold, and that was you know two combatants willing to do it. But you know when you're talking about, like you mentioned, a goaltender and there's a scrum in front of the net and the goaltender's not really actively participating in the scrum, he's just kind of covering the puck, and you take a shot at him. It's, it's East Coast, it's Bush League, and it really doesn't belong. And, you know... I'll hold my breath because we say every time that the Department of Player Safety has a chance here to send a message and they never seem to get it right. 
However, hopefully they get it right and send a message just go around. There, so I'll leave it at that. Is there any leadership? Um, how, what's the word I'm looking for? Like contingency worse than it is in hockey between the NHL, the NHLPA, the NHL um, PR, the NHL Board of Player Safety, uh, the Olympic IOC for hockey, like the IIHF stuff. I don't think there's any more just absolutely horrendous incompetent governance in any sport than hockey. Right now. And you forgot to mention the glaring omission, the Chicago Blackhawks. Right, right. Shouts yeah. to the Words family. They, they raised a couple of good ones, huh? Um, I'll, I'll throw NHL and hockey marketing in that as well. Yep. Um, speaking of goalies and speaking of Boston, actually, Tuka Rask going to retire. I mean, mid-comeback, I put comeback in quotations because it was like, oh, are we going to do this? But the word on the street, um, I believe it's Fluto who did that, is saying that Tuka Rask is going to end the comeback and retire as early as this week. NRD, did you see this coming? I did not see it coming. Um, Shouts to Fluto, uh, Shinzawa of The Athletic, who was the first on this scoop. I know uh, Cassidy kind of threw cold water on it last night post-game, but I think that's just PR and a spin. Um, The big news is that the Bruins gave it a shot. We know that Tuka Rask wasn't going to sign anywhere else, and that was the big issue with, you know, when Tuka was attempting this comeback, and many people speculated, well, the Bruins don't really need a goaltender. They have Swayman, and they have Olmark ready to go. Listen, it was only going to be Boston for Tuka Rask, and he gave it a shot. And with the hip surgery that he went through last offseason, I'm sure that's still looming. He didn't perform well in his starts that he had with the Bruins so far this year. So although I didn't see it coming, you know, now hindsight's 2020. It makes sense as to why he's doing it. The Bruins are kind of set in that. I don't think they had the issues that they thought they did with Olmark and Swayman. And Swayman appears to be the guy that's going to take over the fort for the future once all marks said and done um, in Boston. He's still young enough to continue his career somewhere else. But so they're set, you know, between the pipes in Boston. There's really no need for a guy like Tuka asking if you're Tuka and you're not performing well in this comeback. Why? You know, he was enjoying his time with his family. You know, he's a big family guy going back to, you know, the issues with the bubble tournament a couple of years prior. He has hip surgery under uh, on his resume now. Why stretch it out if it's just not working out? So, you know. Shouts to Tuca for a good career. I think he's taken a lot of shit from Boston fans over the years. But you don't know what you got till it's gone. And there's a reason why Tuca was back in Boston the first go-around because of that, you know, cliche phrase I just made. And we'll see what happens after he's gone again this time. Yeah, and um, on that front, I, I don't think it was fair to Tuca. I, I, I imagine that it, he was behind the decision to go right to the Bruins and not start in Providence, right? But unfair Correct. to throw him into the to the fire like they did. And then you want to go to the breaking news that is just occurring right this second. NRD, why don't you break the news that Frank Saravalli just tweeted? Yeah, so the Habs have fired Coach Dom Ducharme. Um, pretty bad to lose 7-1 on home ice. Granted, there's no fans in the building, but that's embarrassing. We knew this was coming. Going back to October here on this very podcast, broke the scoop that Dominic Ducharme is not going to finish um, or at least start next season behind the bench with the Montreal Canadiens once they cleaned house with Mark Bergevin. That writing was on the wall. He was a lame duck head coach going into this year. They extended his contract. Going back to you know the, the Stanley Cup run, the, the freak Stanley Cup run that they had, I had information. I put this out there that he was only going to retain that job as an interim coach if he basically went on a Stanley Cup run. And then what did they do? They went on a Stanley Cup run. So they gave him a little bit more runway. But Dom Ducharme is not the coach for this organization going forward. He wasn't back then. He's a lame duck. Now he's gone. So we look to see who takes behind the bench in Montreal. I think, and I'm just going to you know, bite the pin and throw the grenade now. I think that if there was ever a position or a role to get Patty Wah, Sir Patrick, St. Patrick, whatever you want to call him, Patrick Waugh back in the building in Montreal. I think this is the position he interviews for. Listen, I don't know my ass from my elbow whether he's going to get the job and this is going to be an extensive search going on here. And I'll do some digging for next week's episode as to who they're going to bring in to uh, talk to. But I think this this role is better for Patrick Waugh than working in a front office where 
a guy like Jeff Gordon's going to run the show no matter what. I think having Patty behind the bench to some degree makes more sense for Montreal. I started celebrating before you even said it. You knew I knew where you were going. You knew where I was going. That's that's the cold stove connection we have going on. Patty Wall makes a ton of sense. I think it would be a, a team that you, you kind of have to whip into shape a little bit. Veterans are going to be out. You know, Petrie's gone, as all signs are indicating. There's there's a lot of young talent there. There's a couple guys that maybe need some change of scenery. But he seems like a whip him into shape type of coach. He's not going to take no for an answer. He's going to be the guy that comes in and can can mold a uh, a young team with the right mix of veterans. He knows how to win, obviously. And for a guy like a Caden Primo, imagine having Patrick Waugh in the mix. Why not? Why not? Let's throw it out there. Who knows if it'll stick, but I, I think that's – we won't be alone in calling for that name, I would imagine. Um, what Dom Ducharme can do now, now that he has some more free time, is maybe hit the links, maybe the pool NRD, take a uh, vacation, as he probably has a significant amount of money on that buyout or severance package. But he can do that in his 10,000 shorts. My – Shorts company that uh, is my favorite right now. I work out in 10,000s. I eat in 10,000s. I can sleep in 10,000s. They're that comfortable. You can jump in the pool in these bad boys, NRD. What is your favorite part about your 10,000 shorts? Tell you what, I got a pair of 10,000. I got a couple pairs of shorts, a shirt now from 10,000. The most comfortable shorts. I you know, I have them with the liner and without the Ooh, liner. Okay. Both are very comfortable. Okay. So I mix it up a little bit sometimes. You're working out, you want the liner in there. When you're not working out, you don't want the liner in there. A little bit more breathability. Love the shorts, man. Versatile. That's what they do. That's what they're all about is versatility and comfort and performance. Honestly, these things like you ever have the shorts that you're wearing? Maybe you're doing some squats or maybe you're doing some some uh, RDLs, perhaps some lunges, perhaps some pistol squats. I don't know. And your shorts get in the way. They almost restrict your motion in a way. These are designed to move with your body. So when you're working out or where you're doing pretty much anything, they almost feel like they're not even there. I have to look down sometimes at the gym and be like, am I wearing shorts in RD? I'm not going to get people too excited out there. But 10,000 makes the highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable training shorts that I have ever worn. I've been wearing their 7-inch interval short, by the way. That's the one I have going right now. It's maroon uh, with a little black on the on the waistband as well as their versatile shirt, which I have in long sleeve. It's like a navy long sleeve that kind of stays cool in the summer and has a little bit of warmth if I'm walking to the gym vibe. Unbelievable stuff. Their short is the most popular and most versatile style, perfect for gym days, spinning, short runs, hit training, and backyard workouts. And they have features like silver ion for odor protection, no-bounce pockets for your phone, breathable and lightweight shell fabric, uh, and the optional liner like NRD mentioned. In addition to the interval short, they make gear specific to other types of training, from running to Olympic Olympic lifting to boxing. So find a short for all the ways you train out there. Hockey fans. Honestly, I just go to their website, and you can kind of sort by sport. Hop in and see what, what works for you. It's the best. Get free shipping, free returns, and a lifetime guarantee as well. Go to uh, 10,000 dot cc slash stove that's going to be the offer nrd Ten thousand offering listeners of this podcast 15 percent off your purchase by going to ten thousand dot cc slash stove again ten thousand dot cc slash stove um nrd let's go into the corner shall we do it down in florida florida for the uninitiated, uh, reports of Spencer Knight being on the block, trickling around, uh, were put out. The Panthers, it's been reported, have since uh, sort of gone back on that and saying Spencer Knight's going to be a Florida Panther or at least in the Florida Panthers system. What do you know in that, and what does that mean for the goalie market at large? So, interestingly enough, the team that's in the news right now, if you want to talk about the goalie market really briefly, I think Montreal's starting to seep into the goalie market, especially with some options out there. Spencer Knight might have been one of those options, not 
much longer. Uh, now that Florida's devoted to keeping him as a Florida Panther, but you know the, the goalie market is the goalie market. You're looking at Mark Andre Fleury as the guy for for the contenders, and you're looking at Billy Huso as a guy for the pretenders and the teams that are looking for a permanent goaltender in net for the future. And I think that that's where Montreal would lean, perhaps to a Billy Huso. I believe those conversations have taken place already. Um, I don't think that anything's imminent on that front. I think St. Louis is primed to wait this thing out and see what they can bring in that helps their roster as they gear up for a playoff push. I don't think they're in any rush to move Billy Huso if it doesn't you know, help them today or tomorrow. That being said, he's the hot name, Spencer Knight, off the market. Who knows what this does for Florida's pursuit of Jacob Chikrin. I know they were probably the biggest contender uh, next to New York Rangers at one point, next to the LA Kings at one point for, for Chikrin services. The uh, Carolina Hurricanes, another team that come to mind there. But taking Spencer Knight off you know, hurts a little bit as the Arizona Coyotes, a team that they have Vimelka. They don't really have anything outside of Vimelka. Um, they have Prozvetov, uh Provetsov or Prosvetov in the net as well with the Tucson Roadrunners hasn't really been the prospect they thought he was so they're still looking for their options in net Spencer Knight probably would have helped that trade get along a little faster without him in play I think we're back at square one there uh, Chikrin's still possibly on the move but maybe Florida without Knight on the table is not the one strong contender that we thought they were um and yeah that's where things stand with Spencer it's not a surprise he's been playing extremely well in the last couple of starts that they gave him Started off really, really slow this year. And Bobrovsky was looking like a guy who was earning a little bit more of that contract, that massive contract that he signed for. And now the tides are starting to shift. Spencer Knight's playing much, much better for the Florida Panthers. And they're playing a more holistic game. They're not being Team 7-1 anymore. They're actually, you know, playing sound defense and there's sound in net to steal a couple of games 3-2. to two. Yeah, you know, I've, I've never really... The whole, like, 1A, 1B goalie... Do you do you prefer like you're a GM NRD? Would you prefer to have a a sixty twenty one two goalie combo, or do you prefer a maybe a forty five thirty five one a one b combo? I prefer the 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 solid one and two. I think punch. I do too. Is that crazy? I. I know that all the rage is being 1A, 1B, but these guys were always like the 1Bs are always in the news, always in the trade market, always in this, always in that. I don't hate the idea. I mean, I, obviously there's risk involved of relying on a on a one, a true one, and you're going to have to pay them. But would you rather pay one guy $6 million for five years or do you pay two guys $4 million or three and a half? Like, I don't, but then there's the other side of me wonders about goalie prospects and development in general because I've seen, you know, I've seen guys come in who are making 750, Dustin Tukarski, and and playing to a two, 2.1 goals against and a 913 save percentage. And like, that's going to get the job done for nothing. And then I can go get a Brock Besser. So I, bottom line, don't let me build a team when it comes to goalies, but I don't, ha- I don't have a, uh, a Jesper Bratt or a Clayton Keller of, of goalies for myself, but quite honestly, I lean towards the one and two, just because if you look at, you know, some of the cup contenders over the past 10, 10 or so years outside of St. Louis with Bennington, who listen, he kind of butted himself into being a number one to a two. He wasn't really a one, a one B when they won that Stanley cup, he was elite. But other than Bennington, you look at the teams that have contended for Stanley Cups over the past decade or so. The New York Rangers with Henrik Lundqvist, the clear number one. Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky, Vasilevsky, back-to-back Stanley Cup winner, clear number one. The Boston Bruins when Tuka Rask was on his game, right? Clear number one. Even you look at Pittsburgh, Fleury was the number one, and Charlie was the clear number two, especially when it came to salary. Even though Jari, you thinking of Matt Murray? Or, excuse me, Matt, Matt, oh, Matt Murray, Murray. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he was the clear number two. So even even though yeah. he's, they sort of rode him in the end, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know how how it works. Quick back in the the Kings days, and and you know Corey Crawford of of Chicago fame. Like everybody kind of has these number ones, and the guys with the one A one B. Like 
like Colorado never seems to work out or you know I don't I right, the Islanders the Carolina hurricanes. hurricanes right like the Carolina Hurricanes they've just and now you would like to think that Carolina has it in Frederick Anderson by the way he's playing this year and I think that playing outside the pressure of Toronto has done wonders for his game he started hot this year which is huge but it's clear to me like to me at least it's clear that the teams that have number one goaltenders are the teams that go deeper every year instead of a split because when you ride that hot hand you know look at Vegas right Vegas their first year when they went to the Stanley Cup final they didn't have Robin Leonard if I'm not mistaken right they that was Mark Andre Fleury's show yeah it was, it was I mean heartfelt goodbye to to Pittsburgh to go to Vegas yeah and he was the clear number one in Vegas when they went on that golden misfit run so Having that number one goaltender, that that anchor of consistency on the back end that you know what you're getting night in and night out, I think is huge to the development of a playoff contender. And that's why, you know, you look at teams that are interested in a guy like Billy Huso, I'll throw his name out there again. The Montreals, the New Jerseys. Hey, is you is know, John Gibson going anywhere? No. I don't think not so. At this point to my I don't think I so think right we, now. I think, think Anaheim is playing it, too yeah. well. Sorry, yeah. sorry. No, just I, total, I playing... total interruption of you there, but my brain just no. You're jump in. You're fine. You're fine. I'm trying to dig into this Montreal stuff. By the way, it appears that Montreal is going to be naming their next head coach by the end of the day what? today. No word. No word on that. If that's a permanent head coach or an interim head coach, but they will have an announcement of a head coach sooner than later today. So keep on the oh, lookout man. for that. I will keep you posted if I hear anything. That being said, John Gibson. No, I don't believe so. I think Anaheim's playing extremely well. They're going to have a chance to make a run here. Maybe even the upset team to watch in the playoffs to go deeper than we thought they were. And that's all that John Gibson wanted. We touched on this last week. I'll say it again today. John Gibson has wanted so bad to play for a contender. And I think the Anaheim Ducks are starting to build themselves into that contendership. That's why, you know, come deadline season, I think that you might see a team like Anaheim be a little bit more aggressive than the papers say they should be mm-hmm. after some talent because they have the opportunity right now to grab it. Yeah. So why but not? One of my my bold predictions, if we were to do a yeah, an ESPN segment, would be one of Anaheim or LA makes the playoffs. That's my bold prediction. When clearly people didn't expect them to be in the mix. Uh, two other goalies I wanted to talk about: Anton Kadobin and Mike Smith. One, Dallas is holding on to Kadobin, according to reports, and then two, uh, Koskinen has COVID in Edmonton, but Mike Smith is back. Does the the play of Mike Smith over the next three to four weeks sort of chart the course for Edmonton going into March 21st? I hope not for Edmonton's sake. <laughs> what a, the, you know? the, that would be so sad if he just if he goes on a heater. And I liked Mike Smith, obviously just a legend in the game. But if he goes on a heater and they're just like, oh, we're good. We don't need a goalie. And you just look at Connor McDavid's face when they're getting, you know, blown out or they, they lose a playoff series 4-1 in the first round to like whoever and and they just didn't get goaltending because they didn't pick anybody up at the deadline or before I don't know I just I, I don't know what what goes on in there I I hope Mike Smith plays well but I also know that need is not filled Koskinen has not been you know a number one Stu Skinner wouldn't call him another number one and apparently, you hear this report that Dave Tippett was one game away from losing his job in Edmonton? Oh, so close. Rats. They almost had him. <laughs> I I don't know. I I also don't... I think... But that's, that's kind of to my point about Mike Smith, why I hope not for Edmonton's sake, because it's going to mask a lot of the true issues that they have. And <laughs> a la Montreal. Unfortunately, that's a la Montreal, right? Carey Price, for so long, has shielded you know, that team from being as mediocre as they have been. So, you know, like you said, I like Mike Smith, so I want to walk that back a little bit just to say I I root for the guy. I really do like him, even going back to his Arizona days. Always thought he was extremely underrated for what he was able to do. Nobody said he was a world beater, but at the same time, he was underrated for what he was capable of providing in that. But you're going to mask a lot of issues if he gets hot and goes on a tear here because he is certainly not the answer in net. And, they need help, and it's cert, you know it's certainly not going to be a guy like, like like I said many times on this show. I, I cannot envision a world, and this is from what I know because I have spoken to many people on this subject. I cannot envision a world where Mark Andre Fleury goes, "Okay, I'm ready to waive that no trade clause to go to Edmonton." No, I see, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Edmonton, it's just not going to happen. So you're going to really, if you're Edmonton and you're you're 
doing the right thing and committed to fixing the goaltender troubles in net, you have to dig deeper than Marc-Andre Fleury. It's going to have to be persistent phone calls to the New York Islanders for Semyon Varlamov. It's going to have to be persistence with the Columbus Blue Jackets for their goaltenders. Not that saying that they're going to send them anywhere because, you know, the Islanders want to keep Varlamov and Columbus wants to keep Elvis and Corpus Allo, but you have to be persistent in that pursuit of a goaltender for Edmonton because Mike Smith, Mira Koskinen, Stuart Skinner, like we said, they're not the answers in there. Bring back Dom Cahoon. That's all you need to know. Speaking of Dom Cahoon, he gets underway with Germany tomorrow against the Canadians. The U.S. men's team gets underway uh, Thursday against China, I believe. Yes, China. Thursday morning, the U.S. women play the quarterfinals against Chechia on Thursday night. Uh, First thoughts on the women's tournament thus far and thoughts going into the men's tournament, which begins today and tomorrow. Really quick, it must have missed me over the past couple of years when the Czech Republic became Czechia. I think it's this year was like, the first time. It's like a new yes. thing. So. They want to be called Czechia or Czechia. I'm going to go with Czechia. I think that's based I on the Czech, Czech Republic. Czechia yep. makes more sense. Okay. Sorted that out. That being said, yeah, I first of all, the article in the Toronto Sun that everybody's talking about, about you know the women's hockey should be removed from the Olympics because two teams are dominant is com- complete bullshit and crap. And... You know, I saw a couple takes defending it on Twitter, and I'll just paraphrase some combined with what I feel. You know, the Norwegians dominate the skiing and shooting, the biathlon. Are we going to get rid of that? Or, you know, the Dutch dominating speed skating. Are we going to get rid of that? You know, like, yeah. these are things that this is this is sport, and there's good teams and there's bad teams. And I think that for the women's tournament, at least, because I got a chance to watch a lot of the women's games before the men's tournament got going last night, and we'll touch on that in a second. But, you know, outside of the beatdowns that Canada and the U.S. put on some of those teams, there were some compelling games. Like the goaltender for China is fantastic. Has been playing some great games for the Chinese women's team. And that game between China and Japan, you felt the rivalry going on there. And there was a lot of passion. That game went to a shootout. China ended up taking it 2-1. And Denmark stealing their first win in the women's tournament. Like, there were tremendous games below the surface. Yes, I get it. There's going to be people that say NRD women's hockey sucks. Like, I don't want to hear it because you know what? They're out there. They're representing their country. They feel the passion and it's not for everybody. I'm not going to force anybody to watch it. But at the same time, if you do give it a shot, there were compelling, compelling games outside of the beatdowns that made headlines with Team USA and Team Canada. There were truly compelling hockey going on there in the women's tournament. And it's going to be the same for the men's tournament. I mean, to segue into that really quick. I know a lot of people are not going to give it the time of day because the NHL is on in there, but there are going to be compelling games as well. And I'd really like to see Leo Komarov and Valtteri Filppula play at the Olympics. You know, haven't seen them in the NHL in a little while. Totally. It's fun. You know the names, you know the storylines, and there are going to be some compelling games, i.e. the upset, you know, that happened this morning, I believe in the men's side of the bracket. Den- I think it was Denmark over Czech Republic on the men's side of the bracket too this morning. Big upset win. So there's... It's not elite hockey. I'm not going to sit there and say it's exciting, but at the same time, was the NHL All-Star game exciting either? Nope. No, but you probably watched it. So watch this, and there's there's good hockey to be had at the Olympics this year. Yeah, I'm excited, uh, especially for you know the, the prospects, like the Owen Powers of the world. Very, very exciting to see him go up against um, you know men for really the first time. He's played in World Juniors. He's played at Michigan. But it's going to be exciting to see him go against men for the first time it's sort of like when a swedish prospect plays in the shl before coming over and playing in the ahl or nhl excited to see how he performs i'm expecting nothing but um you know dominance ideally but we'll see but exciting uh exciting kind of things all around for the olympics because i echo your opinion on women's hockey it's fun it's just stuff you don't see every day the Americans versus Canadians is always going to be such a fun matchup, and it was um, Canada getting the better of the Americans in the prelim game. So I, I would imagine we see them down the road. I hope we do, but the next couple of weeks, a, a lot of fun for hockey in general, despite how poorly it's marketed, because if you tweet a clip NRD, expect to lose your Twitter account. They don't exactly, yeah. uh, They don't exactly like you tweeting stuff. Hate the IOC. I totally hate the IOC. Damn rights, rights hoarders. 
Uh, you mentioned the NHL All-Star game. Uh, I don't think we really need to touch all, on it all that much. You know what happened. It stunk. Everybody was hungover. I did like the coach saying he was hungover. Uh, the board being like, yeah, long night. <laughs> we are not exactly at 100% today. So that's fun. Um, I don't think Biz I don't think Biz left Vegas yet. No, he's either, still so. there. Chitless Cup looked fun. Uh, you know, it's it, I think you got to lean and, and the Pro Bowl should do the same. You got to lean into the fun aspect of this thing. Get the players together. Know they're going to have parties and that's what Pro Bowls and and All-Star games should be about. Like the the basketball players like going and and they know it's going to be a party and they always have it in fun towns like in New Orleans or something like that. The, at this day and age Nobody's going to go all out, best on best, in a game. That's just how it is. That's just absolutely how it is, how it's going to be. The NFL Pro Bowl was a joke. The NHL All-Star game was a joke. Skills competitions, fine, fun. I don't necessarily find them all that fun, but it should be a media summit at this point more than anything. I get that little kids like it and the skills and this and that, and Trevor's Egress doing his really cool thing. He got snubbed, by the way. But nothing about this all-star game or the last five have been interesting to me except from the jerseys jerseys were great they were fun here's i'm just gonna ask a really brief question maybe some of the listeners can tweet us after this once they hear it consigracy yeah there's no way he was actually blindfolded right yeah no you just put it on like it's like a white t-shirt like a white cloth you can see that's what i'm saying enough that yeah, but like, I would have no been so, if one of those dodgeballs like connected and knocked the stick out of his hand, it'd be like, <laughs> what? Was, why? <laughs> just like stop doing that. Um, no, all right, just, you know, because many people are like, oh, he was actually blindfolded. No, he wasn't. That was, and that's not to take away from the kid. I mean, it was still an incredible, incredible breakaway, and I think that they should keep the breakaway challenge going for as long as this kid remains in the National Hockey League. Yeah, but. You know he wasn't blindfolded. Hundred percent. Sorry to sorry to tell you, Santa Claus isn't real, kids. That was uh, that was last weekend. This upcoming weekend, NR. Do you know who I'm turning to? Our fr- oh, there's a big game on this weekend. There sure is, and I'm turning to our friends over at DraftKings. The DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and they have a huge offer for this weekend's big game. All new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on either football team to win this weekend. That is you bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. That's right, just bet $5 on either team to win the big game this weekend. And DraftKings Sportsbook will give new customers an additional $280 in free bets if the team that they choose wins. If the sports book isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this weekend because everyone can play for their share of millions of dollars in total prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. NRD, were, uh, the NRD bets were resurrected for this weekend. Where are you putting your money? Cincinnati. I like it too. What are the, What's the line? At least the cover. What's the line on it's them? It's five and five a half, and half right now. I like that. I, I think it's going to be like a – anticlimactic Super Bowl. I'm, that, By the way, that take is going to be out there and somebody's, it, they're just going to go down to the last play and Stafford throws a bomb and somebody's going to tweet and be like, you moron. But I I'm actually, I can see I mean, a, yeah. a 21-17 game that comes down to the last drive and like a Burrow goes four and out and Stafford kneels it. If we're being honest, I'm probably not going to touch... Three and out, excuse me. Touch the money line, I'm probably going to go prop heavy on this game. Okay. Player prop heavy. Okay. Um, I like some of the player matchups, and you can pick apart yardages and touchdowns and whatnot. But for the sake of our our friends at DraftKings, which we appreciate us uh, appreciate them sponsoring the show, my money's on the Bengals to cover the spread. Same, same. I said four and out by the way because I was thinking of fourth and ten. Please don't come at me for not saying three and out. Thank you very much. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code Washed. And get 56 to 1 odds on this weekend's big game. Bet $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code WASHED at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 877-8-HOPE-NY. Or you can text HOPE-NY to 4, uh, excuse me, that's 467-369 to that number 
that I mentioned. Anyway, NRD, the word on the street in New York, going back to them, is that one, they're interested in a player, and two, there's a potential player being shipped out. The player they're interested in is JT Miller, and the player they're shipping out is Capo Caco, true or false? You know, nothing's ever certain in life except for death and taxes. That being said, I just I'm got my, going to got my say, tax refund the other day, by the way. Big ups. <laughs> um, that being said, I'm as close to falsehood on this whole saga as anyone can be from what I know. And as I've said many times before, you know, to defend the own NRD shield for a minute, I've been right. I've been wrong. I've been up and I've been down. That being said, I trust my sources on this information. If it ends up, you know, if JT Miller's wearing Rangers blue, you know, come March, so be it. And I'll eat that on the chin, just like, you know, some other times where I've had information, but I'd like to think I'm right here. And from what I know that, is that this is coming out of the Vancouver side of things. It's not really coming out of New York. And that the fact that, you know, some of the names, you look at some of the names that are purported to be in play here for this JT Miller deal. Capo Caco, Braden Schneider. No, not from what I know, at least. At least for JT Miller. I think that this is a typical case of, surely the Rangers, Chris Jury is a fantastic general manager. He's going to do what he can to investigate any turn any fork in the road anything he can do to improve his roster as they you know embark on a run for the stanley cup here that being said jt miller is not the number one center on the on the trade market right now we know that claude Giroux is the number one center on the trade market we also know that if tomas hurdle which we'll talk about san jose because some of those forgotten teams that we always spend our time talking about the northeast we'll talk about san jose here in a second too with tomas hurdle but if tomas hurdle's in play He's probably number two. JT Miller, for as good as he's playing right now, is not the best or maybe even the second best center on the market. It seems to me that this is Vancouver, who probably has had talks to some preliminary degree with the New York Rangers, putting you know the Rangers up on the JT Miller fact sheet when they're selling him off to teams saying, hey, listen, the New York Rangers, who are an organization who are looking after a center when they want to go on their cup run here and they're looking to buy somebody, they're coming after our guy, so you should want our guy too because the biggest buyers in the league also want our guy. I think it's that going on here with Vancouver more so than the New York Rangers. Hey, we really want JT Miller. Let's not forget they traded this guy for issues that he had with the organization You know, a couple of years prior when they sent him to Tampa. There was a big falling out. I don't know if he's the right fit in that locker room per se. Chris Jury was involved in the front office at that point, so you can't blame this on you know JD and JG being there in the front office. So... I don't, like I said, been wrong before, and I'll leave it on the chin. But to my knowledge, I think that this is coming more so from the Vancouver side of things than the Rangers saying, hey, we're going to give you Capo Caco, a Braden Schneider for JT Miller. It's just not something that even fits into the New York Rangers' plans, especially with how, you know, yes, the Rangers need help up the middle, but if you trade Caco, they're awfully shallow on the right side of the wing as well. So it just... It just rubs me that this is something that Vancouver is trying to draw up a bidding war with teams. Real quick on the Rangers, and then let's move out west. Give me the name that Rangers fans think is in every trade proposal and want to trade and are cool with trading, and give me the name that Chris Drury is cool with trading and maybe less realistic in the minds of Rangers fans. So one name that they could trade and one name that... What was it? Sorry. Uh, one name that the fan base is like, oh yeah, he's gone. Like, get him out of here. He's he's good. He's going to be part of every offer. And then one name that they'd be more reluctant to as fans, but is on the table for a Chris Drury. I think that... So, interestingly enough, you know, he most likely will go the other way in any deal, but I foresee a world where Vitaly Kravtsov stays a member of the New York Rangers organization at the end of the year at this point, especially because they're not looking to sell him off anymore. I think they're going to hold him as a trade chip, and I wouldn't be surprised. While, like you said, the fans might include him in every offer, I would not be surprised to see him end up not going if that team that they're acquiring a player from doesn't want him or anything. They just keep him in-house. 
And then you look at the defensive names that they have. Like this, Nils is Keandre Miller on the table at all? Well, that's where I was okay. going. The defensive sorry, names just, in play. Sorry. Blow, no, blow. you're good. You still <laughs> you totally blew the reveal. I think that you're looking at Niels Lundqvist, Zach Jones, potentially Keandre Miller for the right player. I think if you're going to move Keandre Miller, you're looking at a center with term that's on the right side of 30 years old that fits into the lineup. It can be a solid number two. Otherwise, I think Keandre stays, but potentially in play if those that right person comes available at the deadline. So uh, where I was going with that question was Keandre Miller was the one that I said, don't be surprised if Keandre Miller's going somewhere. And the one that I feel like all of Rangers Twitter wants to leave tomorrow is Philip Heedle. Everybody's like, oh, he can be this, he can be that. He's got, he hasn't gotten a fair shake in New York. He'll be great for your team. Give me three first-round pitch for him. It's like, wait a second, hold on. He's Philip Heedle, okay? Nothing wrong with Philip Heedle, but I don't think he's Tomas Hurdle. But let's go to Tomas Hurdle and the San Jose Sharks. You have Hurdle. You have Cagliano, Bar- or, uh, Barabinov. Alexander, why, why can't I say that name? They're all expiring deals. They have a lot of young guys who are RFA expiring deals. What is San Jose say? Excuse me, I can't talk. San Jose doing leading up to March? You know, it was so clear cut that everybody assumed that Tomas Hurdle would be moved at the deadline. And I personally, okay, this is personal opinion here, think that their best chance at moving forward and rebuilding that organization into being a contender is moving Tomas Hurdle. However, I I completely understand the devil's advocate side to that. And I think there is a world where you can keep Tomas Hurdle and try to negotiate an extension with him and have him play next to William Mecklen for the next, you know, five, six years. And that's a possibility too. So that's why, you know, I, I preface this in the last segment about the Rangers saying, we don't exactly know if Tomas Hurdle is going to be available. I think that the San Jose Sharks are diligently trying to work out a team-friendly extension for him. I think it's going to come down to Hurdle's willingness to see out the plan in San Jose and whether he wants to stay there and be you know, the center for William Mecklen for the next five or six years with a chance that they're not going to be competing for a cup for most, most of that time frame. And that, I think, is looming large. I think that he would be willing to sign an, you know, an extension in San Jose if he decides that this team and he sees the light at the tunnel at the end of the day. And that's why we're not there yet with knowing whether Hurdle's really in or out in San Jose because the team wants to bring him back. I think he's going through his own personal decision-making process of whether he sees the process out with the Sharks. And if he is available, like I said, he's the number two center on the block next to Clojure. Is Tomas Hurdle a number one center in the NHL? Like right now, it's they have Couture, they have Hurdle, they have Benino. Like, is 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 Tomas Hurdle a number one center? Well, there's 32 number one centers sure. in the National Hockey League. So is, right? he, is he top 30? I'd say he's top 20. I'd say yes. I absolutely say yeah. yes. I think there's there's at least 12 centers that I would rather Hurdle over. If I looked at everybody's number one, you know, center. On the line charts, shouts the daily face off. They have the line charts written out. And if you looked at every team's number one center, there's at least 12 centers that I'd say I'd rather hurdle over these guys. No so, doubt. yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd definitely say number one center. Even top 20. And where I'm going with this is that that changes the price dramatically from a top six center to a first line center. That involves another prospect. That involves another pick, a no-doubter in terms of where you slot these guys because there's plenty of, oh, he's a top-six center or he's a middle-six center. The price tr- like changes drastically for a first-line center. Now, where I don't know where the price changes is like, what's a first-line center of Jack Eichel's caliber versus a first-line center of Tomas Hurdle's caliber? They both play the same position. Their job is to make the people around them better and put up points for their own team and I would assume play power play minutes but but then it becomes a, 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 an objective talent evaluation well Jack Eichel's worth four picks and Tomas Hurdle's worth two and a half that's where I think it gets interesting once you have established they're both the same position a first line center now the payment comes into question that being said though you know 
there are going to be teams out there that want to acquire Hurdle on the on the cheap, and they're going to say he's not our number one center. We in New York have Mika Zibanejad, who's our number one center, or we in Florida have Alexander Barkov, who's our number one center. You know, so or, or Carolina for that sense, we have Sebastian Al, who's who's our number one center. So we, yeah, he's a number one center, but he's not number one center to us, so we're not paying a number one center's price. Now, when you have enough of those teams that say he's not a number one center to us, this is what we're paying, but then they start bidding against each other, now you're back into that number one center price. And that's why I started off this by saying, in my personal belief, if you're San Jose and you want to build this team, you move him, because if you could stimulate enough of those teams to have interest in Tomas Hurdle, you're going to bid him up into that two and a half, three first round pick of value price range, right? Totally. And now you have complete flexibility. You move the contract off the books that, you know, would have been at least six and a half, seven, if not more going into next season. You've moved that off. You have complete flexibility. You have a bunch of young guys in the prospect pool. You can target a younger goaltender. You have three first round picks over the next three years, or at least 30 first rounds of value to play with. And that's why if you're San Jose, I can understand wanting to keep him because he's very, very good. But at the same time, if you move him and you get enough of those East Coast contenders in play to start a bidding war here, perhaps even Minnesota in play, then you're going to get way over market value for him. And it doesn't matter if he'd give you a hometown discount to resign because you can rebuild that entire you know, top six with the picks that you get in a Tomas Hurdle trade. You're absolutely right. But my only concern is you look at San Jose and what they're doing with Logan Couture and what they're doing with Brent Burns and Mark Edward Vlasic. They have a lot of money tied up in three guys that are all over the age of 32 and all signed for multiple years. And so all of a sudden you have, what is it, $23 million in three guys on your salary cap? the first of which comes off the books the summer of 2025, not to mention Eric Carlson, who's making $11.5 million from now until kingdom come. My biggest concern with San Jose is the top-heavy veterans without a plan to get to the playoffs. Like that, those, those veterans alone tell you that should be a playoff contender. Four guys making well over $7 million or $7 million plus that are above the age of 30? Come on. Thomas Hurdle needs to be part of that. Yeah, for sure. And that's, but that's the, the side effect, the consequence, if you will, of selling out to make a run, right? That Eric Carlson trade was massive, 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 massive. And they went the Stanley Cup Finals against Pittsburgh and they lost and they didn't get it done and they've never been able to duplicate that success again. So, yeah, you comb up and down their cat-friendly page like I'm doing right now. It's not like I got some secret algorithm. (laughs) They have guys locked up long-term and the only guy up there that's a UFA at the end of this year is Tomas Hurdle. So, do you add him to that mix of guys that are locked up for the next five or six years at $6 million plus or... Do you bring in some flexibility? Because you know, like a guy like Brent Burns is a lame duck in the sense that nobody's going to take that contract. He's a shell of what he used to be, but you got to keep him. And somewhat similar in Eric Carlson. You have him. Nobody's really going to want to take him. So you have to keep him. But so do you go down with the sinking ship here with Tomas Hurdle extending or do you rebuild? And that's why I say personally, I think, you know, San Jose should move Tomas Hurdle. You just, you need, you need pieces for him. That, like, I feel like you need, you almost need players or like close prospects. Because if you don't, if, you can't go into a rebuild with four Albatross contracts. Like, just, it just doesn't work for, for me. I, I don't understand the, that, that style of team building because it's almost like, oh, we missed our window. We still have a bunch of crazy money. And now we're going to try to rebuild with, with 18 year olds. Like, I don't, I don't know if that made sense. That's why I'm so. I guess I'm intrigued to see what they do with Tomas Hurdle. But let's go to another team, NRD, that's got some cap hell coming up. Not Minnesota. They do, but not this year. This year, the Las Vegas Golden Knights do. And when Jack Dykel comes back, which is much sooner rather than later, 
they're going to need to move some pieces. Now, Riley Smith is obviously the odds-on favorite, if you will. But I wanted to ask you if you see them going any other direction but the Riley Smith route. It's the route that makes the most sense. It's it's exactly what they need off the books. And he's good enough where teams will give you something of value for him. I mean, they're not going to terminate. They're not going to expunge $4.3 million from their cap in a buyout or anything like that or send anybody to the minors. So Riley Smith seems to be the fall guy there. And, you know, it sucks, but that's the price you pay in a hard cap league where, you know, you have to give to get. And if, if the casualty is Riley Smith to bring Jack Eichel into that lineup to have a first line of Pacioretty, Eichel, and Stone, then so be it because you got William Carlson and you have other guys that can fill out that lineup um, pretty damn well in lieu of Riley Smith being moved. So yeah, he's the mo- he's the guy on the move. And I think that one of the guys that we've talked about and, you know, some of the other insiders have picked up along the way, but I still think there's really underrated smoke to Riley Smith and New York Rangers just because of the familiarity and the system with Gerard Gallant. And I think that is huge to a guy like, you know, Gallant behind the bench and Drury in the front office. They look for that. They look for a guy that could step in and, and fit the mold of their locker room and what they're trying to do in New York. And obviously, Riley Smith makes a ton of sense. Can I put on my tin uh, tin foil hat for a second here? Go for it. What if, what if uh, Jack Eichel were maybe to suffer a setback with the non-contact jersey on in practice and conveniently feels better, I don't know, say mid-April? Do they take that risk? A la Tampa Bay. The only... The the discourse is going to be fantastic if they do that. So I'm all here for it. That being said, no, because they are not as secure in the upper echelon of the Pacific Division as Tampa was in the Atlantic. Like Tampa, you know, Tampa could be the kid that embarrasses himself and shows up to school with his pants on backwards one day and still walks right into the playoffs in that Atlantic division. Now, not so much because, you know, Florida looks really good and they haven't in years past and, mm-hmm. you know, keep, Boston's making a charge. Yep, keep going, keep but, going, keep going. Uh, no, there, <laughs> there's no team in Western New York that has a shot at this. But okay. they they haven't had the, you know, they haven't had the pressure over the past couple of years at the top half of the Atlantic, like Vegas is now facing in the Pacific. So if you're Vegas, is that a risk you want to take? I think it's much easier if they're going to do this. And Bill Foley, if you're listening, and some other people in the Vegas front office who I know are listening, because you know who you are, and I know you're a big fan of NRD. Wouldn't it be better if Matt Pacioretty just, you know, his wrist isn't what they thought it was right out of the surgery. Because he did get wrist surgery. And... You know, it's tough to come back from a wrist uh, surgery. You got to hold the stick tighter. So there's your answer if you're listening. Mark Stone, his back has been weird all year. It's been funky. It's been up and down. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And it makes a hell of a lot. It makes a hell of a lot more sense than keep. You know, in all seriousness, it makes a hell of a lot more sense than keeping Jack Eichel out of the lineup because. We don't know what Jack Eichel is. I think if you're Vegas, you want him out there. If he's cleared for contact, you want him to get games under his belt. You want him to get that, you know, that flow back. It's hard to throw a guy right out there in April who hasn't played in two years and expect greatness from him. We know he's capable of a lot, but I don't know how much you could put the kid on the spot like that to throw him out there, you know, mid-April in the playoffs. I think you would want a guy like Jack Eichel to gain a little footing and get his legs back under him as opposed to a guy like Stoner Pacioretty who have played extremely well this season and you can say... They need some time. Their back's acting up, you know? Totally agree. Totally agree. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not saying that it's even a, a possibility. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, NRD. Um, let's take it from one conspiracy theory to another, shall we? Picture yourself in Montreal, I don't know, mid-July of 2022. Montreal has the first round pick. The first overall pick, excuse me. And old pal Gary Bettman steps up to the podium with zero fans in the arena because restrictions are too tight. That lottery ball pops up 
and it is not the Montreal Canadiens. Hmm. Wonder hmm. what happened there. NRD. Could you see a scenario like that? Yeah, I can. Oh, gee. We can have you guys host the draft. It's going to be great. You have the first overall pick. But that lottery ball is not 100%. Oops. Something must have happened. Or we'll just take our ball and go to uh, to Vegas or Columbus or Buffalo. What I do you think, see sticking you know, out here? In terms of where the draft is going to be located, right? Like... It makes a lot of sense if if the NHL had to pull the plug at the last minute. It makes a lot of sense to hold the draft in New York just because of where the league offices are and the infrastructure to get that up and running. You can spin that I up think, in, in a week. Yeah, in a week. I think some whether it's at the theater at Madison Square Garden or Radio City, I think you have a, you have a location for the NHL draft if they have to pull the plug on Montreal. But you know, the lottery is not a given thing for some people. For others, they say yes, the lottery is given. Sometimes the ping pong ball spends a little too much time in the freezer. Alexi Lafreniere, just saying. Was it was fun to watch the ping pong uh, ball shoot just, up uh, and to watch the discourse of the New York Rangers getting that uh, first overall pick. That being said, yeah, there's a world where Montreal doesn't have the first round pick, and then what do you do? Right, that's the question. What do you do if you're Montreal and all this tanking, if you want to call it? ends up with the third or fourth overall pick. Do you say we got another year of this tanking crap? Because arguably the greatest prospect since Connor McDavid is coming into the draft next year and Connor Bedard. Perhaps two with Matvey Michkov. With Matvey Michkov, yep. So, yeah, listen, the dark days are not over for the Montreal Canadiens. And I'm not as... Uh, I didn't buy my doomsday bunker and freeze-dried food like you yet, Brett, you crazy conspiracy theorist. But <laughs> if you are Montreal, you know there's going to be another year of of getting, you know, your feet underneath you. So, yeah, if you don't win the draft lottery this year, I don't think it's the end of the world because you're going to suck next year and you're going to have a shot. So keep stockpiling picks, younger players. Yeah, whoever gets the first overall pick in the Bredard draft is probably not moving out of number one. But you're going to have enough of a stockpile put together over the next couple of years that there are methods around this rebuild without Shane Wright or Matvey Michkov or Connor Bedard, in my opinion. Speaking of this year's draft, I do have some Buffalo. Some Buffalo, I, I don't want to call it news to break, but I want to call it insight. And that insight is that they have three first-round picks this year, two of which are held by the Florida Panthers and the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights. One of those picks... Call it could be on the move. I, I I will say that the Buffalo will not necessarily stockpile first round draft picks this year, and those picks are potentially. Uh, and I'm trying to be careful about this. I'll, let's just say one of those two pitches in play for a player, not necessarily a rejigger of the draft order. Interestingly enough, there's a solid, solid, gritty, tall, strong defenseman in Philly that. Is a free agent at the end of the year that maybe Buffalo should look into acquiring. I don't. I don't know who you're talking about there, NRD. I just don't. I don't know which one that may have been there for a while. Anyway, uh, last thing before we get out of here, the Blackhawks have interviewed the Cubs assistant GM. That's the Chicago Cubs of the MLB. Their assistant GM for their their general manager vacancy. NRD, do you like this out of the box or uh, put it back in the box, if you will? I think that people are. Obviously, you know, and rightfully so, blowing this out of proportion. But what this is, is they're looking up and down inside and outside of the organization to bring in stability and somebody to lead lead them past this path, right? Like, and I'm not going to paraphrase Rocky words because I think what he said was, was a dog shit response. But, you know, logistically speaking, they do have to move forward and they have to get the right leaders in place to bring the organization back to, you know, the level of respect that, you know, they want to get around the National Hockey League. So you leave no stone unturned. And, and the fact that they're interviewing guys with the Chicago Cubs front office tells me that they're going to have a strong department of hockey ops people to handle the X's and the O's and the contracts and whatnot. And with this general manager job, they're not committed to, you know, a David Poyle. They're committed to a guy that's just going to come in and lead the organization on the right path. And that's from 
you know, not only just the players, but the people in the organization have the right leader in place to deal with the coaching staff, the training staff, you know, the, the equipment staff, the players, the development staff, like the right person. And sometimes it's not necessarily in hockey. I mean, you talk about, it's not unprecedented in sports, right? Like, you know, anybody that's seen the last dance documentary with Chicago Bulls on, on ESPN a couple, uh, couple months prior, maybe even a year ago at this point, Jerry Reinsdorf of the Chicago Bulls hired some executives from the White Sox. Now, granted, he did own the White Sox as well, but hired some high-level executives there to run the Bulls. And it's about getting the right leaders in place. So, no, don't stuff this back in the box. If it, if this is the correct answer for Chicago to, to bring themselves back to a decent level of respect around the league and have the right leaders in place, then, yeah, I say leave no stone unturned. Talk yeah. to people that run the Chicago Fire, the MLS, for all I care. It doesn't get the right people in place and the hockey and the X's and O's is secondary to having good people in your organization. Yeah, we'll certainly never hit on an, an out of the box, maybe not even a hire, but a, a, an interview. Hey, what do you what do you see in the the hierarchy of this organization that we can fix or that you would tweak? Because it doesn't you don't need to be a hockey guy. Anybody can read a salary cap book and and go from there. You know, the, you can be a salary cap specialist. You can be a trade. You know evaluator or more specifically a trade valuator which i think is going to you know be more prevalent these days would say the value of player x equal or lesser than player xyz so i don't hate it i don't hate it. i don't think he should be the general manager because i think that kind of just the connotation of that with the coach and the players you kind of get the well what the fuck does this guy know and you're gonna have a guy from the cubs cutting a player and saying hey you're going down to rockford or whatever that's where I don't necessarily agree with it. But to have somebody like that in the front office, I have absolutely zero problem with it. In fact, I'd probably encourage it. An out-of-the-box manager, management major type of maybe a cap guru type of guy. And I think that's right. Like you said, you have the right cap gurus in place. You have the right hockey ops people. Maybe Eddie O. I know there's a lot of rumors about Eddie O potentially getting a look for the job. He's not going to get the job. He's on the search committee. But maybe he gains a role in the hockey, you know, department, hockey ops department um, with the Chicago Blackhawks. So I think that's where they're going for it. I don't think there's any concern with, you know, a baseball guy coming in and saying, Marc-Andre Fleury is not batting 330. We're going to send him down to AAA. Like, I don't think it's going to get that inside baseball, inside hockey. I think you're just looking for the right leaders at the top of the food chain in the organization. Boom. Well said, NRD. And well said this week on the Cold Stove Podcast. Anything before we bounce? No, extremely, you know, eager to see what Montreal is going to do behind the bench. I think there's some interesting names already thrown out there. None that I'm ready to throw out there at this time on the show, but they will be naming a coach, whether it's interim or permanent, you know, tonight we'll see, but we shall all find out together. We shall, NRD, thank you for the Cold Stove Pod this week. He is NHL Rumors Daily at NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. I am Brett Merriman at Schmerriman on Twitter. We are at Cold Stove Podcast at Cold Stove Pod. Hit us with questions, comments, DMs, concerns, feedback, you name it. Adam, thank you on the ones and twos, and we'll see you guys next week.